This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 47. Bro, let's get it. Well, guys, welcome back. Uh, just a quick reminder that the best way to support us is to rate our podcast, tell your friends about it, uh, retweet us and whatnot. Um, if you guys are open or want to listen to any specific topics or have questions about our latest episodes uh, or any subjects on our rundown show, please, please let us know in the Discord or our socials. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be doing three shows, so it'll be a little bit shorter of a rundown than what you're used to. But first, we're going to do Undead Unluck 12. Freer in episode 16 in Jujutsu Kaisen, season 2, episode 22. Tyler, how you doing, my boy? Doing great, bro. It's, uh, I don't even know what day it is, but I just had some spaghetti, so I'm chilling now. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Sounds good. Yeah, I had some wings for, for dinner. Uh, what about you, Dad? I'm doing good, man. You know, I had a nice, easy work day. Didn't really have a lot to do. So I love these uh, short weeks where everybody on your team is off. Great time. Why yeah. even waste the PTO? True. I was thinking about that this year, but I also like like waking up whenever I fucking feel like it. So I, I take it anyway. That's fair enough. And I had <laughs> a delicious piece of salmon with some quinoa and broccoli for dinner. Look at this guy. I like everything you just said, except for the broccoli. You don't like broccoli? <laughs> what? No, I, I, I eat occasional broccoli and cheese casserole, but that's about it. Broccoli is like an S tier vegetable for me. It's, it's like, yeah. it might be my favorite vegetable, actually. Yeah, mm. it is. I don't know about favorite, but it's pretty damn good. Peas and green beans. That's probably my two favorite vegetables. And tomatoes, too. So Peas? Yeah, I mean, peas, peas are, are good, bro. Yeah. I, I love peas, but like I wouldn't put peas at the top of my, my vegetable hierarchy. Well, I think I only eat three. I think I eat peas, vegetables, I mean, ve- peas, <laughs> green beans, and tomatoes, <laughs> and strawberries, if that's a vegetable. No, strawberries okay. are fruit. Yeah, um, okay, do, you fruit. Not like, do you not eat lettuce? Sometimes. Okay. Like, okay. I'll I'll eat it. I'll eat it like if it's like fresh and like salads and stuff. But like, yeah, I mean that's the only time you eat lettuce not, or on a burger or a sandwich. True. I'm not true, gonna. True. I'm not really gonna eat it by itself though. You know, I have to add stuff to it. Yeah, like my, my favorite. Stuff. Yeah, my my favorite is definitely broccoli. But I'd say like the 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 best overall vegetable is probably potato, just because you can do oh, damn near anything with it. Okay. Uh, I forgot the vegetables was I mean potatoes was vegetables. <laughs> you know, when, that's probably my favorite. <laughs> it's funny because like based on what a potato is, I don't actually like even really consider it a vegetable because it's a it's just like a car. It's, it's you know? just yeah, it's just starch. <laughs> it's the embodiment of starch. <laughs> but if I had to pick a favorite vegetable, I'm probably going with a little zucchini squash combo. Mmm. Mmm. Like some stir fried zucchini or some grilled zucchini is very, very yeah. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you boys ready to get into it after we got our, our veggie talk in? Yeah, let's get off the veggie tales grind and start talking anime. <laughs> Sounds good to me, boys. So the first show, like I just said, is Undead Unluck, episode 12, Activate. So in this episode here, we have a clash coming up with the Union and the Negator hunters infiltrating the black market and proceeding to the stock room, uh, quote unquote stock room, to have a showdown of a new Negator that has been captured. So this episode starts with Andy and Fuku getting into action against the Negator hunters, but first they had to get through the underworld guards there at the option at auction. So the first thing I want to ask you guys is have you guys seen that change in Fuku and how she's starting to act during missions? So I think it's been pretty cool. I think so. She's she's gotten way more confident, right? Hell yeah, bro. She she's uh she's low key uh going going crazy now. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's definitely great to see Fuko like find some drive and some passion for her newfound end goal because like this entire anime so far has just been like, oh, let's find a way to kill Andy. Duh. And now she has <laughs> a greater purpose and it's really putting those gears in motion inside of her. Yeah. Kill yeah. God, right? Yeah. Yes. That's a that's a lofty goal. And I really like how they like set up uh, to where Fuku could just kind of like go all out because these people that they're fighting are just terrible human beings. And they made that very, very clear to us. So I thought it was really cool. Um, but after that, after they kind of run through those guards, low diff, uh, we see Andy and Fuku are headed up to the cargo hold where the quote unquote auction items are being held. These are people, and I believe UMAs, I wasn't too sure about what other creatures were in there and we see a negator that's kind of gotten out of his cage his uh his restrictions there and this guy can like stop movement i think they called him unmove eventually and but he has to stand still too and put his hand over his forehead <laughs> what did you guys think about this bullshit uh yeah that's that's a that's a uh, uh weird uh, not useful uh, ability. So, <laughs> well, if you're not a scaredy cat who shakes the entire time, like it could be very useful. But the fact that you can't move, like you got to have like a pair of rollerblades on, so you can like start moving and then hold your body entirely still while you hold your forehead. <laughs> I can think of some ways to make it useful. Just get a pair of heelys, you know. Some Heelys yeah. would go crazy. Also, <laughs> I, like, where did the Heelys go? Like, I, I really want a pair. Um, <laughs> I, I think he would be good in, like, a team situation. Like, he's yeah. useless one-on-one. Like, if somebody's about to shoot you and you just sit there and freeze, the guy's still going to shoot you as soon as you start moving again. Um, but, yeah, if you can get somebody to stop that or something like that, would be pretty cool. So do y'all think he uh, like has to hold his forehead or do y'all think he's just moving his hair out of his eyes so he can uh, look at them? That would make a lot more sense. Homie should just get a haircut if that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, we did see later in the episode. I don't know if we want to get into it yet, the where he didn't have to um, hold his forehead. He just screamed stop. So I'm like not exactly sure what the fucking rules are. Didn't didn't he put his hair up? Yeah, he did. He tied his hair. Oh, okay. So he is moving his hair out of his eyes. He used his uh, bracelet thing. Okay. I I did not know what he was doing. I thought it was a a condition myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but we during this scene, we had like a flashback to Unmove's uh, past when he got caught by the underworld deviants. Um, and we got to see a little bit more Japanese delivered English. Uh, we always stop and talk about this because I, th- I think it's somewhat entertaining to us. Um, and I think they make it entertaining on purpose. But th- did you guys enjoy that little bit where they were like, hey, why are you using that weird language that we were just using five <laughs> minutes ago? Why are you using that weird language? <laughs> like, yes, something like I, that. Yeah, I absolutely love the way anime does this because it's just hilarious being native English speakers to hear it so broken, even though like. I mean, they teach English in Japanese grade school, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I mean, for me, it's like not even like. I'm not even like laughing at, at them. It's just like the fact that like they're, they're doing it in like a professional. I, I'm like just imagining them doing it in a professional setting, sitting there at the mic. And it's, that visualization makes it funny to me. <laughs> oh, definitely, dude. And like I've met of multiple Japanese people through like my career and things like that. And none of them talk that bad. So I think they're, they're definitely just doing it for fun. <laughs> oh, they're doing it uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and to kind of stay focused on like the first part of when we were in the the cargo hold, um, we also saw some weird ass creatures, and even unmoved like mentioned it as well. Um, they were in cages somewhere in glass boxes. Like, you do you guys think those those were all UMAs? I don't think like, they were UMAs because UMAs are like I'm trying to think of the right word. They're like the rules of the universe, right? Like we yeah. saw spoil and there's galaxy and stuff like that. I think we just have some creepy ass creatures in this world. And maybe there was a dodo bird. Maybe it's like exotic extinct creatures that they found. I don't know. Okay. So you're thinking like this isn't just just like a negate or uma type beat it's just like whatever exotic stuff that they can get their hands on yeah yeah because mm. like you're mm. not capturing the galaxy in a cage yeah <laughs> fair i don't <laughs> I mean, even think you you're really capturing like spoil spoil or anything like that if they don't want you to right yeah like how do you can cont- even con- start to contain him yeah very true yeah um, okay this is going to be a little bit of a sidebar, but I'm just thinking of it now. So we know Clothy is UMA. That is yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Andy's uh, suit he wears. So if they defeated Clothy, would everybody just be naked? Damn, that's a good <laughs> question. This <laughs> hmm. textiles just go away. It, it's just an entire show of Andy's running around with little squiggly lines over their junk. Dude, those are some good sensor bars. Those are some high quality sensor bars. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. Um, I wonder. I wonder how you would defeat Clothy though. You have to like burn him. Like I feel yeah. like you could just burn him. He's textile. But yeah, hasn't but, but hasn't Andy been like burned before, or, like in explosions, and like he's fine, right? Have you we seen to... him burned since he since he got Clothy though? You'd have to see the core be defeated. The core. And we haven't seen Clothie's core, to my knowledge. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, sorry for Clothie, but I, I hope we see that happen and see what the <laughs> ramifications are, because I'm very interested now. I'm invested in this. <laughs> <laughs> so just to move along with the plot and get off the, the UMA rules here, um, 
Next, Unmove kind of runs into the Negator Hunters. You have uh, Unrepair and his little little girlfriend there, and uh, Mini Gun Guy. I think they said his name while they were talking. And uh, the test to become a Negator Hunter is for them to start shooting at you. And if you can't activate your ability to save yourself, they deem you useless and you should have died anyway. (laughs) So their logic here is like, all right, so you were useless, but your power is probably good. So we'll just have it recycled into somebody else and we'll go hunt them later. Did you guys think this was like an effective way to like test these people? Not moral, effective. I, I think it is effective for their end goal. Their end goal is to basically find powerful negators. And if you've got a scrub negator, like shuffle the deck again, you know, like, I mean, it okay, makes sense okay. for what they're trying to do. Do I think it's right? God, no, but <laughs> it works. Yeah, and also like they they act like they have a way to transfer transform uh transfer uh the powers to another person maybe um so why would they want to kill him unless they can just like maybe manipulate that power to go in where they wanted to go I'm not sure not sure how all that works but I that was mean... my only confusing thing. The only I it was way, like a, go ahead, Dan. I was gonna say the only way I can see that work is if they do it Blackbeard style, but instead of like potentially carrying a bag of fruit when you go kill someone, you're actually just dragging a pregnant lady around with you. Like I don't know, I don't know. How She's ready to pop, and <laughs> you induce her uh, as you kill the other one. Yeah, I think it's like a, a like a like you said, like a devil fruit, uh, Blackbeard type beat. Um. Or that a new person has to be born with it. But then you got to wait for them to like get old enough to like fight. Right. I don't know what that limit is for them. Maybe it's three years old, but it's, it's going to take some time regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a very interesting way to test people because like, what if you have like a support ability? Then you can't like just stop bullets. Like what the fuck? You still going to kill him? Okay. <laughs> um, but getting past that. Uh, we actually finally get to see the face-off between Andy and Unrepair. And during the fight, you know, Andy kind of, like, figures out that, like, Unrepair just, like, isn't enough to actually threaten his life. So he kind of lost interest in him. And we've been, like, really building up to this moment, trying to find Unrepair. This has been a, a thing for several episodes now. Um, and I thought it was a little underwhelming that it wasn't more of, like, a fight. Or, like, Unrepair wasn't very deadly to Andy. Like, did y'all feel the same way about that? Yeah, I don't think we were necessarily building up to a fight between Andy and Unrepair necessarily. It was really just adding an antagonist group to the the plot. That way we can move forward with, instead of just fighting, It's there's reasons we're fighting now. You know, I think it was just, it was more of a plot device um, for the anime. But... I think the reason they were looking for unrepair at the beginning is because they wanted him to join the round table, which obviously is not the case now that we know what his uh, motives are. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, not even like building up to a fight though. Like I, I just thought there would be more payoff once they finally found him. Yeah. A new plot point and a reason for fighting is pretty big, but it felt uneventful in a way. No, I agree with that hundred percent. I also think if Andy was solo, then he would have had a uh, more troubled time with him 
because he if you if you remember like he couldn't even like cut his own like head off or like initiate the healing process because you know um all that stuff he had to have help doing it fuko or you know the blade had to be on the ground and he had to use it offensively or something like that so i guess at that point though still like even if you bleed out you're undead it doesn't matter you can't die so like once i don't know like i don't think it was built up to be a big fight you know like once we saw what actually happened i was like oh this is it's a wrap i thought they would be more like natural uh enemies or like foils for one another and it's just like it feels like just andy is like outranks him as, as far as his negator ability so just wasn't expecting that really um but to kind of close out the episode here guys um unrepaired decides okay like it's time to go let me just go ahead and kill unmove and he ends up throwing a knife a little scalpel at him fuko jumps in front of the knife and luckily it didn't penetrate deeply enough to where she would bleed out immediately but now she only has an hour to live could you describe me describe to me what you think fuko was thinking about right here like what what the hell was this I didn't. I thought that was like a pretty dumb move. She has a great heart, but like I thought it was a pretty dumb move for her to put herself in that position. Yeah, I mean, Fuku's on her hero shit now. You know, she's got purpose, and I think she doesn't want the ideologies of the Negator Hunters to succeed here. So I okay. think she was just trying to be on her hero shit. Um, but yeah, no idea how they're going to stop the bleeding. Um, that should be interesting. <laughs> so we'll find out hopefully next episode because unless they're rocking one piece pace which they haven't been we should see it next episode <laughs> yeah we should definitely uh get get the conclusion on that and uh my last question for you guys is uh we got to see little scaredy cat unmoved like what are your thoughts on his like potential and like him as a person he has high potential like you said in a group um uh I, th- I mean, w- looking back at Fuko, like, she was the same way, almost, right? So, like, mm-hmm. if if you put the right crowd around him, like, he can, he can, he can gain his confidence, too. And especially if he knows, kind of, he don't really know what's going on with him right now, so I would be scared, too, like he is, in a way. Um, especially if he's got people chasing him, like the negator hunters and, like, the underworld people. Um... Uh, he has every reason to be scared. So, if like he, I wonder if he's gonna join the thing, you know, because that would be a really useful power. So, true. I think it'll be a good idea for him since he doesn't speak English, <laughs> and the rest of the world only speaks English now. Yeah, and I mean at that point too. I mean, if I was taken from my home, locked in a cage. And then somebody tried to murder me the minute I got out of that cage. I'd be pretty terrified. So I definitely get where he's coming from. But like Tyler yeah, yeah, said, yeah. I think, well, like both you guys said, I think you put him on a squad, which is how the round table likes to do their thing. The union does like, I think he has high potential to be useful. I mean, imagine him just like staring at a UMA, stopping his movement and Andy going to town on it. You know, it's a wrap. Ah, uh, gotcha. Gotcha. And he can stop. Uh, several people apparently uh, based on the last scene so and um, objects objects that are coming towards you true so yeah. it's not just limited to one um, 
thing. It's it's I guess widespread too, uh, which is pretty neat. So yeah, I thought that was pretty dope. He stopped like that barrage of bullets that was coming to him and coming towards him. So yeah, I think I, I agree with you guys. Definitely a lot of potential, especially in a squad situation. But he's gonna have to pull it together a little bit. I think we'll see that though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I guess we'll get on to the next episode if y'all ready. Let's do it, Tyler. All right. Uh, let's do Furin episode 16 called Long Lived Friends. During this episode, Furin decides to visit an old friend of hers and wants to stay a while. We also get to watch our adventurers do a couple of errands while searching for Sign's long lost friend. Um, and basically, this episode starts with the adventurers heading to a village to meet an old man named Vol. A uh, long-lived friend of Freeran. Um, We also learned that uh, he's a dwarf, and apparently dwarfs live for hundreds of years, not thousands like elves, which we I think we've kind of known something about that. We've heard uh, um, Eisen uh, mention it a few times. Um, but what was everyone's like initial thoughts about Val, the old man? He's a crusty asshole, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But he got me thinking that Eisen here is full of a bunch of bullshit because he keeps saying he's old and he's whatever. And Vol is easily like 200 years older than him. So Eisen is just, he's just lying to stay retired. I I think (laughs) that's the case too. Um, But I I think there's something about like dwarves and immortality because Fruin said like the last time that she visited him, uh, Vol said, "Oh, it's good to see you at the end of my life." And here she is showing up 80 years later, and she and you know he's still alive. So I don't know what what the dwarves are really on here. Maybe they're just pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> one thing, one thing I thought about him, I was like, "Damn, this dude looks a lot like Himmel when he was old. He really did." <laughs> I, I like I knew he had something up his sleeve. Like it was just an old man sitting on a rock in like full armor. With a sword. Yeah. I was like, okay, like this is just gonna be like that sneaky old man archetype, right? And he proved yeah. proved me right pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I enjoyed uh him uh putting seeing seeing Stark and putting him in his place. You know, teach him teach him a lesson when he didn't even really need to, but you know, that was a good lesson. So Yeah, I think if somebody would have like an old man did that to me when I first met him, I'd be like that fucking asshole. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you ain't have to do all that. Chill out. Just hitting you with this cane. Get, this in the home, get in the home, old man. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, and also before the OP road, we also saw a flashback with Sign and his friend and learned that he has a picture of Dilm in his like little locket thing. Um, do y'all have any ideas like why they wanted to show this or why they made us, uh, you know, a special thing about this? Um, I mean, like at the time I didn't really realize that they were going to go so deep and like Simon was going to go so far out of his way to be finding his friends during their adventure. Uh, we kind of saw that like, like later in the episode where like they're going to specific towns and things like that and stopping in specific places. I didn't think he was going to be behaving like that. So I was a little unsure about why they put that 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 flashback in there, you know. Yeah, I think it was just there to show how much their friendship means to each other, kind of thing, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and I I also find it interesting that um 
they can actually make pictures like that with Matt. It takes it takes a special um, uh, mage to be able to make pictures like that. So that, that's a really interesting thing. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Like he even said, like, "What's a picture?" Uh, what yeah. is when? Uh, what is his name? Gorilla Warrior was <laughs> 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 uh, like, yeah, "Let's get our picture taken." And if I, I didn't know what a photo was, I'd be like, I don't want my photo taken. I want to keep it. Yeah, <laughs> you I know mean, what I'm saying? What did, what did they think pictures were like whenever they were first invented? They thought that shit was stealing your soul. So I mean, I, which is fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely a very interesting thing with the whole picture, picture thing. Uh, um, but then we get on to Vol. We learned that Vol, Vol has been protecting his village for hundreds of years. And no one really knows why. And at the time, did y'all have any theories on why he would actually do that? I mean, I, I, th- I thought he was waking up, waiting on the sun god Nika uh, myself. But... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom. Yes. Um, but yeah, I really just wasn't sure. I, I thought maybe um, like his family was there or like, you know, a, a part of his family was there or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was just he had a connection to the village, which we obviously got into later in the episode. And he kind of just got cozy there, you know? I mean, he's old as dirt. Why would you want to keep adventuring, right? True, true, true. Yeah, and it turns out that Vol was actually keeping a promise to his dead wife to protect the village. Um, so uh, I think his dead wife, um, I think she was a human, uh, not a dwarf. So obviously she didn't live as long uh, as he did. Um, but how did y'all feel when he said he couldn't remember what she looked like or her voice? I feel like those are like very uh, true and relatable things. That shit broke my damn heart, dude. Yeah. It's it's almost like a comparison. I mean, his is just a long lived old age, but it's like when you have a loved one with Alzheimer's or, you know, when they start to lose who they are and start to forget who you are like. That I, I can't I haven't been through that. I can't even imagine how much that would like hurt, you know, so for him to understand that he's forgetting not because of like a debilitating disease where he can't remember anything. Like he's just forgetting because he hasn't seen or heard her voice in hundreds of years. That shit is fucking sad, dude. Yeah. No, I thought that was, that was pretty, pretty shitty as well. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with, with like, um, me and my grandparents, um, my grandparents like passed when I was like, I think three and four years old. A lot of my <laughs> grandparents like uh, passed and I don't remember their faces. If I didn't have pictures, I wouldn't be able to, to point them out of a crowd or, you know, walking down the street. Um, so like, I kind of felt for him there and like, you can definitely feel like guilty for it, but it's like, you know, after time or being that young, it's like, what do you really expect from yourself? But it is, it's sad. And I, it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's also said that, um, um, when a loved one dies or whatever, uh, the first thing that's always forgotten is their voice. So, and in my experience, I, I, I find that true too. Um, so, but, uh, so it was, it was really, uh, this, this is different. Like, I don't think I've ever seen this brought up in an anime before, but it's really like solid and true, you know? So, yeah, I I thought it was really good that they brought that up. Uh, kind of was like grounded this part of the episode from, for me. Yeah. 
Um, but then uh, after all that uh, happens and they spend their little time with it, I think Fern wanted to spend 10 years and Fern was like, no, we're leaving in a week. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they get they got going. Yeah, I, I would like to mention that, like, I thought part of this anime was going to be, like, ultra sad and, like, uh, Freeran was going to, like, waste away a good chunk of Fern's life <laughs> by, like, staying in places for too long and not doing anything for too long. So it's good to see Fern put her foot down and be like, dude, I'm not wasting a decade of my life on this. Like, fuck off. Well, yeah, de- go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, definitely on that front. And I also liked how... Um, before they left the village, Fern, or sorry, uh, Freerin and Vol were talking about Stark's, you know, the things he's learned over the last week training under Vol, and it was cool for them to see that humans just like learn and adapt faster than anyone else. So I thought that was a really interesting thing for them to bring up too. So looks like Stark got a level up, so maybe he's not a a, a crybaby anymore all the time. Hmm. Okay. That would be interesting. Um. But then we get on the road and we're we're going to um I forget what they said uh uh, uh some some sort of an A. Do y'all remember the town's name? The place where they're going to uh for the mage thing, I believe, right? Um but that's where they're going and then they decide to take a little side trip to visit a village um that's on the way. And because he's Sign's still looking for his friend um, that he set out to find. They even stop at this town and learn that he was close to a stubborn old lady. And basically, they run errands for information. Uh, we also learned that Sign is called the goatee priest. And his friend was the gorilla warrior. What do you, what'd y'all think about these nicknames? So I thought it was funny that Sign actually had a goatee. And I was like, but wait, like they were friends when they were kids and like a 10 year old doesn't have a goatee. So (laughs) what fucking future site did they have in this show? And why haven't we seen it? Who's got the magic ball, you know? Yeah, it made Uh, it made sense when they seen the statue, though. But I I was also wondering the same thing. I was like, what? How did y'all get this name so young? So. Yeah, I, I had no idea, and like I, I really, I loved the nicknames, but they, they, they're just so outlandish. And I love that the reason that Sign's friend went with Gorilla Warrior was so that it would be memorable. And not even five minutes ago, Bass said, "Oh, what's his name again? Oh, yeah, Gorilla Warrior." So <laughs> obviously, it didn't work out too well. Well, he ain't done nothing to make his name stand out yet. So I mean, the name Gorilla Warrior is enough for me, man. <laughs> yeah. Um. The, uh, so speaking of Gorilla Warrior, do y'all think that did y'all think did we think tracking Gorilla Warrior was going to be a part of the on-screen story? I, I did not. Um, I thought that was just gonna come up here and there. I didn't think that they would dedicate half an episode to it like this quickly. I thought maybe like, oh, we're going on our journey. And if we find Gorilla Warrior along the way, all good. Yeah, I was thinking it was going to be more of a coincidental reunion, not like a main plot point. And we'll get into that more in a little bit. Yeah, I also think that um, I kind of it, it kind of feels like that. 
he may become a party member somehow. Do y'all have that feeling? That would be dope. Um, maybe, like, I don't know how he would do that, especially if he has his own party, how that would work. But maybe well, if there's just, like, one or two of them, that would work just okay. Well, every everybody that they talk to seems to... It seems to... Uh, um be that he's by himself i haven't heard any mention of him with anybody else that he just talks about the goatee priest priest um a lot but he all he always wanted to be a hero you know he always wanted to be the the hero and that's kind of what freeman's party is lacking right somebody that's um uh not socially awkward somebody that's outgoing somebody that can talk to people and get things done uh and also wants to be the hero so I, I feel like that's a good fit. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Especially when Ferrum was like, yeah, uh, Heiter or um, no, Himmel or what's his name? Uh, I'm forgetting the priest's name. It's Heiter. Heiter. Right? Yeah, yeah. He, they could have talked the stubborn old lady, you know, out of let, making them do chores in like half a day. And they were stuck doing chores for a couple of days. Um, <laughs> they need that, apparently. Yeah, they're all a little socially awkward. <laughs> the the only reason I don't think he would join their party though is because the original party was four people and this party is currently at four people and it'd be weird writing wise to have a party of five unless Freerun ends up not being considered like part of the new hero's party and Fern is taking the role of the mage you know and she's just kind of like an advisor. I don't know how to put it, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it'd be weird if they were like, oh, let's have a party of five. Fuck this shit. Yeah, but what if, what if like, I mean, what, where is it in the rules that it has to be four people, you know? Uh, it can be five. In, in most video games you play, the max party is four. <laughs> mm, you, know, <laughs> okay, you got to stub people out, you know? I'm just, I'm just going off of what I know here. But what about yeah. WoW? There's like... 15 people, bro. That's a guild, though. This is kind of like a guild. Well, no. <laughs> Guild's an organization. A party is you and your boys. I, I think he could join. Um, but I think the only way it would work is like if Gorilla Warrior, love that name, by the way, um, is at the end of his current journey when they find him. Otherwise, they're, they're going to lose sign. Because he said he's going to go with them if they find him. Yeah. What? I'm getting way more morbid here. I think Gorilla Warrior is going to have died somehow in like some epic battle. That just probably, probably. first story. story He's been gone for ten years, and it was a three-year journey. So, yeah, it would make sense. I think I think it's one of those two options myself. I think either they're going to find him and he's going to join because I don't think Sign is leaving. Uh, it doesn't make sense for him to leave. So it's either um him not have a reason to leave because his boy is dead somewhere or his boy joins that, that's that's my biggest reasonings for thinking that so what 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 was their goal do do y'all know their goal um gorilla warriors go was it to just be heroes yeah he just wanted to be like the next himmel yeah so like that that even plays into like joining the group too you know so yeah, I think um, it, I think I think it could work. Yeah, uh, I, but what Dan Dan's got a valid point too with the four thing because the original party was only four or whatever. But um, who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next episode. So uh, 
But we also, during the same day, one of the errands was they had to clean a statue um, as the last thing. And it was a statue of an elf and a warrior. And an elf was apparently craft. The muscle daddy elf that they ran into here a while back in the snow. So Muscle daddy. Yeah, muscle. He, he I mean, was, he was fit. <laughs> okay, so, okay, okay. It was jacked. <laughs> the them finding the statue was actually really interesting to me because in the statue, Kraft was a warrior. He was not a priest because Goatee Priest was the other guy, and Kraft was the elf. Mm. So yes. I think it's really interesting here that Kraft is still alive. And my little fan theory here is that when Kraft's Goatee Priest f- friend passed away. He decided that he needed faith in his life or for, you know, the goddess in his life for whatever reason. And that's why he became a priest. So I'm putting that out there now. If that's the case, I could write anime. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think uh, Kraft actually like told us like he, he used to not be religious. Um, so it makes sense that he was a warrior. Um, like you said, pretty good physique there. Muscle daddy, even. Um <laughs> But yeah, I wonder if it was because his friend died. I think he said it was because like people were starting to forget him and he didn't want to be forgotten by like you know the goddess too or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully. And I and I mean the only reason people are gonna forget an elf is because they did. So <laughs> I think it's all come together. True. But like they had forgotten Kraft's name and didn't know the name of the 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 uh the warrior either. And my question is why are they not putting names on these damn statues? What is this? They can't put a plaque on the statue. They already made the statue. Yeah, I don't quite understand it either. Like, most most statues have names on them, unless they've like just degraded, maybe, and you can't tell what their name is anymore. Maybe I, that's an I option. Know. I don't know. It just doesn't make uh, any sense to me why they would do that. I mean, it's pretty damn tough to uh, if the stone statue is still standing, and you carved a name in to stone. The name should still be there, you know. That's the whole point. That's what this I'm is saying. set in stone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're gonna immortalize them, man, go ahead and immortalize them the whole way. Well, maybe, Give me a break. and then, and then again, maybe, maybe at the time that stone was made, maybe the people that you know, Himmel, Craft, uh, all these people, maybe they was like, you know, I'm so famous that I don't need a name you know, on my statue, you know what I mean? Which is fine at the time, but you know, we're obviously we're seeing way down the line. That's not the case. So, Hey, if I get a statue, make sure there's a name on it. (laughs) I'll make a statue of you and put your name on it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Big big daddy bass. Big muscle daddy bass. Good enough for me. (laughs) But uh, we get to the last scene of uh, this episode, and we learned that Gorilla Warrior went to the town of Tur next, um, which is the opposite direction of where the par- party is heading. I think they said east, east of where the party was heading, um, and they were going north. So what do we think? Do we think um, Sign is going to go find his buddy, go north to the city of whatever the hell they're going to, or you think they're going to take a detour? Like what's on y'all's minds? Well, so for the story to continue the way it should at this point, based on everything we know, they have to go to Alburst, which is the magical town where 
uh, Freerun can get her credentials. Yeah. So they can actually continue on this journey. And I don't think it would be out of the realm of anything Freerun would want to do because obviously she wants to help sign at this point. And she's got nothing but time on her hands. <laughs> I mean, she wanted to sit here and pick vegetables for 10 years. So True. I wouldn't be surprised if they one detour to um the other town after the fact or they get some further information on Mr. Gorilla Warrior while they're in Alburst. So you think Alburst first and then Tur then continue? Uh, maybe they go to Tur, maybe they figure out they find some more information when they're in Alburst. I mean, okay. if the man's been gone for 10 years, he hasn't been only three towns, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, it, it doesn't make, it to me, it doesn't make sense to, like, follow exactly his trail um, because it's been 10 years. So why are you going to trail him? You're not going to catch him if you got 10 years worth of towns to make up. Yeah, and there's a good possibility that they find, meet him in Alberts, too, right? Since it's a major city. Exactly. And, uh, apparently, you know, you can't go any further north, I guess, without you know, the special qualifications of a mage or whatever. So maybe he kind of got stuck there because he can't find a mage or something. I don't That's know. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe. So, well, good good news is Freerun's coming. Uh uh Gorilla Warrior. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna find a nice statue of our boy Gorilla Warrior. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I guess that's about it for uh, this episode uh, of Furin. Unless y'all got something else. That's it for me, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's it for me. Awesome. So next we're going to get into Jujutsu Kaisen episode 22, Metamorphosis Part 2. So with Yuji and Mahito's epic battle to death finally ending, Ghetto has come to finish off the war. Fortunately for us, there's another big twist and epic fight scene in the back pocket of season two. So to begin this episode, we see Panda running around in his gorilla form. It's a lot of gorillas this week, guys. <laughs> gorilla and warrior number two. He finds Kusakabe hiding under rubble. He reveals that he thinks Itadori should be executed due to the devastation that Sukuna has caused. Do you guys think that's a fair take? Uh, Hell yeah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't didn't they want to uh, execute Itadori like uh, from back the with Sukuna? Yes, yeah, Sukuna when he first joined Itadori, Itadori, like they wanted to kill him, and that I think mean, the only thing that stopped him was Gojo. Yeah, and Gojo's in a box. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder um, if this is going to be a valid plot point now. Now the only thing. That I could think it's like, okay, so is it still a fair take if Gojo gets out of the box? No, because Gojo's out of the box and it wasn't a fair take before that, right? Well, I mean, it might be a fair take, but it's not going to happen because Gojo does what he wants, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we, well, we saw the devastation that Sukuna can dish out from his malevolent kitchen. And there's more fingers. Yeah. <laughs> good joke dan <laughs> I, I was gonna say damn damn no 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 dishing out level at kitchen vibes okay i'll move on it's, it's heating up in here boys <laughs> the gas has been turned on in this kitchen let me tell you but we saw the devastation that sukuna can dish out and with gojo not being there to stop him like 
I think it's entirely a fair take. Like Kusakabe has definitely got a point here. Yeah, yeah I mean, even if even if Gojo does like get out of the, the the prison realm, it already happened. Like Bro has already massacred three fourths of a city. I think you gotta have to execute him if you're being fair to everybody else on the planet. It makes me wonder if they can execute him at this point. Ooh, yeah, that's Ooh. the other issue. Like Sukuna is Sukuna is is he really gonna let Itadori die? Like it's not gonna happen, right? So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they can. Not sure. I guess we'll find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> uh, so next we find that find out that Mei Mei escaped her fight with Ghetto using Gui Wee's ability. And she ended up in Malaysia. So yeah. oh, I don't know what's with the show in Malaysia, but we're we're getting a lot bitch, of bro. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Nanami, Nanami should be in Malaysia like he wanted, not her. It should have been him. <laughs> True. <laughs> and we get a very weird scene here. Mm. Very weird scene. And it's Mei Mei and Wee Wee lying in a bed together, which is fine. Until you realize that Mei Mei is stark ass naked. With her yeah. little brother, and that is some weird shit. Yeah, her her blood brother. Not some Toto shit. And and the uh, intentions, the vibes, the vibes of the scene was not good. No. No. Yeah. Why 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 did why is this even why was that even necessary, bro? So from what I understand based on this is that Wee Wee's ability can transfer more cursed energy if they're cuddling or something. There's no clothes in the way. That's the vibe I got. But uh, Wee Wee officially is the king of the sister complex in anime. Like we've seen this <sighs> a few characters. We got the guy in Mashal, uh, the double line guy, I can't remember his name. And in Black Clover, we have Tyler, you remember his name? Uh no, but I I still think he wins. I I think he I think he wins. Honestly, uh, yeah, the dude in no, Black Clover. I he just loves Marie. I mean, he's not like not sleeping with her. Yeah, not into that. Yeah, this was pretty grotesque. I did yeah. not like this at all. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, I think maybe I is, a phone call. I think yeah. I think and this it, is it on a it, different level of sister complex, though. You know what I mean? Like, there's different levels. This is so. this is borderline incest. What we got going on here, boys? Um, <laughs> but the, what made it even worse is like, uh, we we was like disappointed when she got the phone call. Yeah, say, like, brother, like, pull it together, my boy. I don't know what's <laughs> going on in that family, man. She's fine, but like I'm not her brother, so I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, it seems like you know some some Southern Alabama type BS. Real time. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> but during this whole thing, uh, May May gets a phone call, and we don't know who it's from, but she basically tells this person that Japan is in shambles, and to take all their money that is in yen and transfer it to another currency, sell all their real estate in Japan, and that it being the third biggest economy in the world, uh, this is going to have massive ramifications. And I did like that they brought this part into the show because I've never thought about that. 
when you see the massive destruction of like a city in anime, mm-hmm. like you never think about the financial ramifications of it. You know, it's like, okay, let's just rebuild the city and move on, you know? So yeah. I thought it was really cool that they brought that in. Yeah, I thought it was pretty, pretty neat as well. Um, I mean, because it is a global economy. And of course, Mei Mei always, you know, only doing missions when she's paid to do so. Of course, she's thinking about that um, and, and calling the broker or whoever to 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 make sure that she's not getting hit as hard as she should be. Um, God, I hate her. Yeah, that, that's it for me. Uh, there's also something else I want to bring up too. The phone call uh, at the end of it, she was uh, thanking them for uh, allowing her to work with them again or something like that. Um, what do y'all think that was about? Do you think that she, I got, I got like trader vibes, like spy vibes. I don't think it was like trader vibes. She was, she was like, uh, she said that she was looking forward to working with them again. I think they use her as like an inside trader type deal, which is very illegal, but I think she gets paid for those services on top of telling them where to put her and their money at. So you so, don't think it has anything to do with the sorcerer world? You think it's just economy shit? Yeah, I think yeah. it was just to show how shysty Mei Mei is. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of curious about that because uh, it definitely was giving off uh, different vibes, you know. So. Yeah, she's yeah. shady, but I don't think it has anything to do with the the jujitsu world. Yeah, and I don't think that the jujitsu world really cares about money. Like at that level, you but know. Then again, you know. Also in my head, uh, why why is she not still in Shibuya? You know, where everybody else is. Why did she get away from it? That, that's another thing that added to this flame, you know, of mine. Uh, they She's shy as hell. Yeah, and I think she got her ass kicked, and they used Wee Wee's ability to make it out of there. And that's yeah. what they said happened. I think she just got boxed up. Hmm. And right away, she's yeah, like, she I, ain't, I ain't messing with this shit no more. I'm out. Mm-hmm. That exactly. But. Always got to look out for number one. <laughs> your star player. Yeah, wee wee. If you're wee wee, number one is May May. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Uh, so after that, we do finally get some closure on Mahito. That sick son of a bitch. And. Ghetto used his curse manipulation technique to absorb Mahito, and this shit looked brutal. Like, Mahito was trying to continue living, but it was way too late. So is this a satisfying death for Mahito, like, in your guys' opinions? I really enjoyed the, 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 the screaming. Yeah, he, he seemed like he was in a lot of pain. Uh, we saw, like, the transfigured hands reaching out for nothing. That was... Beautiful desperation. I love to see that. Um, and that, and this is just following up on what Yuji did. Made him look like a little bitch. So, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty satisfying. I, it could have been more gruesome, but I think it was good enough. Yeah. I, the only thing that sticks out to me is that, like, fake Ghetto used this ability because he's going to use Mahito again. Not in the sense of, like, well, how Mahito has been working autonomously or, you know, like, himself, but Mahito is going to come back, and that's the vibe I got, you know? And I wanted him to burn, burn, burn. <laughs> yes, but I think it's going to be great because Mahito is going to be a slave to a True. human who he hates. 
so I think it's it's he's going to be very very unhappy if he has any personality left at all. Yeah, and that'll also be satisfying to see. But we also know that fake ghetto is not a human at this point. He is a weird brain blob controlling a human body. Well, I mean, he's technically a human. He just has that. That's his curse technique. I guess. <laughs> Still, I don't, you know, I don't he's consider on Mahito, brain you know? That's true. He did shit on Mahito. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, moving on from that. Um, did you guys understand the explanation of Uzumaki? which is uh, one of Ghetto's abilities. Did you guys understand that? Halfway. Yeah, I had a little trouble with it. You, you want to you explain, Tyler, you want to explain the, the half that you got? Maybe we can put this thing together. <laughs> um, well, so he said that, you know, uh, he thought that it was only useful for lower grade uh, curses or something like that. Um, but he never tried to, like, look into it further. Uh, because he thought it was just like a basically a recycling bin or whatever for just doing away with you know uh, bullshit curses that wasn't useful, pretty much. But then he said that he, I guess, found out that that's actually not the case. That um, you know, if you have one that's very powerful like Maito, it can actually be used to. Uh, do way way more be more effective you know in i guess destruction i i'm but the part where it loses me is i don't know how how uh how it becomes more effective because it it's a higher grade and what 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 it means to be uh used in this uzumaki thing i know uzumaki is like uh what does it mean? It means spiral or something like that. So yeah, that, I mean that's where you got Naruto Uzumaki yeah. with the the whole spiral thing and the Uzumakis. But um, yeah, I, I think I got the other half. I think um, like if if it's semi grade one or higher, he can use like their the their curse energy and like combine all of the different semi ones or up into like one cursed blast type beat. Um, I think that's what it is. Um, I know I talked about it. Yeah, it's just like kind of like a spirit bomb. Yeah, more or less. Okay. Okay, I got that. If it was grade semi grade one or higher, they could use the abilities of that curse. Okay, I thought it was integrating the abilities into like into Uzumaki, but that also makes sense. He could use their abilities. Yeah, can he do that with any of the curses he gets? He can use their abilities. But he's using them as, okay, he's using the curses themselves at their lower yes. grades. He can just use the abilities of the ones higher. In his Uzumaki, Uzumaki. bomb. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, and one thing that's really interesting about this technique to me is that, like, we've always seen that the big advantage of curse spirit manipulation is the wide range of attacks you can use by yes. unleashing curses. And I think it's really it's almost like counterintuitive to ghetto or fake ghetto at this point to think of like, Oh, why would I not just take their cursed energy and go Kamehameha with it, you know, and just shoot out an energy blast. So I think it's, it's like the polar opposite of how that, uh, that ability has been used in the past. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whoever took over ghetto's body didn't realize what the purpose was. He even said that to himself. He's like, Oh, I thought I was just going to supposed to mix all of my lower grade ones and combine all their power. 
Um, but yeah, I, this is like the, like you said, like this is curse manipulations, like uh, crim de la crim attack. Like this is the whole purpose of having this ability is to use Uzumaki. And we saw that Uzumaki, that one blast put a massive crater in the ground uh, as he shot at one of the, the uh, Kyoto students. So crazy stuff. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So after that, um, we, you guys might have forgot about him. I kind of did, but uh, the Kyoto gang shows up and they try to have a little jump jutsu kaizen of themselves. And well, uh, they ain't got it like that. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't got it like that. And uh, it does not work out for them. You know, they notice the witch chick up in the sky and they're able to, he's able to dodge all the attacks. So no luck with that one. Um, but like, do you think there's anybody in Shibuya right now who can give fake ghetto a run for his money? Because I, I don't like Yuji's down too bad. Toto's down horrendous. Gojo's locked in the glass case of emotion. Like, <laughs> I don't know who's got it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the only one that could was is Sukuna, right? So. Yeah, I think I think Kasuna uh, like uh, Sukuna could like box him up pretty good. Um, but yeah, one v hell nah, and we see the Kyoto students are like second rate. Uh, Mikamaro was definitely right; they should not have been there. They didn't belong there. They really ain't got it like that. Um, so maybe maybe, maybe they should have stayed at home. Hey, where where the hell is Toji at when you need him, bro? <laughs> Lying on the ground, almost dead. He could have, he could have, he could have uh, done some damage, bro. Nah, not the fake ghetto. No, no, no. But uh, I think I did say in uh, one of the last couple episodes, I thought that uh, outside help was going to come in. Probably, I was saying Utah, but um. Uh, I guess I was wrong there, so. Yeah, I mean, at least the Kyoto students could be like some little gnats around Ghetto's face um, <laughs> to buy a little bit of time. I, I thought I thought it was I thought I think it's pretty funny that like the Ghetto has like one of the ultimate abilities in the Jujutsu world. And we also always jump about it being jump Jutsu Kaisen. And his ability is pretty much reverse jumping. Reverse jump, jutsu reverse kaisen. jumping. <laughs> it's just like I'm gonna jump you, jumping me. How about that? <laughs> Catch me outside. How about that? I love that. <laughs> so after that, Chozo comes back on the scene and he drops kind of a bombshell that the person inside Ghetto is Kamo Noritoshi, a man deemed the worst sorcerer of all time. And he also drops that Kamo Noritoshi is his dad. And that he has an innate connection with Yuji. And he's 99.99% sure that Yuji is his brother. So, transitive property here. Fake Ghetto is Yuji's dad? <laughs> I mean, in a way, bro. Because like Chozo was saying, like his mom's a human. His dad's a curse, and then Kamo, what? Well, he did some little mixy mixy, I guess, in the womb there or something like that. I don't, I don't know, bro. Um, and that's how he he's his dad. In, he came into the syringe of blood, like, hey, yo, take this shit. Yeah, you gonna want some of this though. Um, <laughs> and like, like, could this, could this really be true? Like, did they're brothers? Like, 
I think it'd be it, super weird. I think it's an awesome plot point if it's true. It brings so much unknown information to the forefront of JJK. If you haven't read the manga, of course, or had it spoiled. Um, but it brings so much to the world that we've like, you know, enjoyed for the last two seasons. And it's a bombshell, in my opinion. Like, we have no idea about Yuji's past besides he has a granddad who died in a hospital. Like, that's it. That's true. And, that's true. I mean, with his freak of athletic ability and everything else, like, he's got to have a crazy backstory. And I think we're going to get into that. Not this season, but next season. Yeah. yeah. I, go ahead. I was just going to say, and to go off what Dan said, we've never heard about his mom and dad. Uh, I don't, to my knowledge, we've never heard about his mom and dad. So this could be very uh, well be true. Yeah. So. I mean, like, and like Dan's saying, it's, he, he was always like super strong. He was casually breaking world records on the playground. Um, and then he could also handle MB Sukuna's vessel. So do, is that really a mistake or is Kamo have something to do with that? Yeah. And I think one thing that's really interesting too, is that I was calling Kamo Noritoshi. He's like, ah, that's a name I used once in a long time ago. Like, how long has this fucking brain being been body snatching? Like, this shit goes back forever, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, they they, they said at least 150 years. And I, I mean, and the little stitches on that little camo cameo that we got, that doesn't even look like it was his first body. No. Oh, boys, the minute like we see somebody else in the show with stitches on their head, I'm going to be recreating that gif of Leonardo DiCaprio just pointing at his TV like in disbelief. <laughs> oh, OK, <laughs> <laughs> I see it. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't I can't wait to get more of Camo and like what he's been up to, what his real plans are like, was it what's he got to do with Yuji? You know, like this is makes everything a lot more interesting to me. Um, we've gotten a lot of plot this in season two, but a lot of good fights too. But like this is like this is groundbreaking to me. If he was part of Yuji's birth, nuts. Yeah, I mean, and you also got to think if he was part of it, then uh, what kind of mastermind uh, plan does he have? In Place that he had planned for Itadori. You know, he had a plan probably. Right. So. And I also want to know if Kamo, like, is it a person or a curse? Um, forgot who said it, but they think they, they were thinking he's legit, like just a, a sorcerer. But, like, how do we know that for sure? You know? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, the vessel that Ghetto's brain blob took over was Kamo Noritoshi. But, like, what is the brain blob? You know exactly. That's just what they're calling it because that, that, that's probably the first time they realized that he was taking over people. He could have been doing this for a hundred years before that. I am one thousand percent going to end up reading this. Why is going to happen? This season's going to end. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, this is crazy, man. I love this. But back to the episode. So Chozo comes in, and being the great older brother that he is. Steps in to start boxing ghetto to help our boy Itadori. And were you guys expecting like another banger fight this late in the season? Because 
I thought Ghetto was just going to like throw some smoke bombs on the ground and disappear kind of vibe, you know? <laughs> I got Gojo. I'm out. That's what I thought, too. Um, and I I mean, even online, they were saying like that this Chozo Ghetto fight really didn't go that hard in the manga. Like it was just like a couple of pages or like a few panels or something like that. Um, and they really flushed it out. But me, I was not expecting this at all. Like you, Dan, I was like, <laughs> thought he was going to get Mahito, uh, either save him or or absorb him and just retreat. Like I won. Like bye. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to stick around uh, if you're fake ghetto because you got what you came for. You've you've caused the destruction that you wanted. Like you're only uh, you know increasing the chances of failure if you stick around. So. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, well, the plan to jump ghetto didn't work out too well because Yurame showed up with some of the coolest cursed energy manipulation abilities I have seen in this show so far. Yurame controls ice, and you give me an ice wielding person in anime, they're instantly one of my favorite people. I don't know what it is. Ice is clean, bro. Ice is clean in animation, bro. Ice powers are so fucking sick. Yeah, and, and she, I mean, she had some pretty like decent AOE shit too. Like as far as using the ground and whatnot, that was really really cool. Oh yeah, I mean, she turned them all into ice sculptures, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then to end the episode, Yuki Sukumo jumps in and saves the students in Chozo, and that's the end of the episode. Do you guys think she's gonna be able to box with Thick at all on equal footing, or do you think she's gonna get pieced up too? I mean, she's one of, uh, as far as we know, um, what we've learned about her and the past is that she's one of the one of the most powerful sorcerers out there, right? So she was compared to Ghetto and Gojo back in the day. She just had, um, I think she was just uh, lazy or like um, uh, didn't want to. She wanted to do research instead or something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I think so, Ghetto like called her unreliable. Yeah, uh, when we met her the first part of the season, yeah, she don't give a shit. But I guess maybe she does give a shit for right now, anyways, because she's she pulled up on Ghetto, uh, wondering uh, what type of woman. Uh, I think <laughs> she said, "What type of woman was uh, are you are you after or something like that?" So. I mean, shit, man. My answer is Yuki Sukomo because she is a baddie. The kindest standing in front of me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would let that lazy lady step on me. Don't even worry about it. She's coming in with a fit, too, y'all. She don't even look like a sorcerer. Nah, she coming in with a clean fit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I was going to say, I guess that's what we're going to get to see next episode finale, right? Is Yuki versus uh, Ghetto, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good fight, honestly. Like, she's supposed to be special grade herself, so I think it's going to be a clean little... Hopefully, it's a clean little uh, sequence there. I think this is the moment where Ghetto has his smoke bombs come out and just disappears. Yeah, this would, this would be a good moment for that, I think, for him. It's also the last episode of the season, so, like, what are they going to do, you know? Like, we can't end mid-fight. <laughs> they, got, they got to close Shibuya out so everybody can go like cry in their closet for a week. Yeah, I would at least like to see what Yuki's like uh, made of. Her curse technique is what it is or like what she's made of. It'd be pretty cool. Definitely. 
Well, awesome, guys. We hope you enjoyed this week's weekly rundown. Uh, we'll be dropping the DGENs episode on Friday, I believe, which is the DG Awards. So we're going to have some degenerate awards given out to some of our favorite animes we've watched this year. Uh, we'll also talk about what shows we're going to do for the winter rundown. Uh, not much is changing, but make sure to tune in to see what else we're going to be covering. And like Bass said at the beginning of the episode, make sure to rate the podcast if you listen to us on your favorite platform. And uh, if you have any questions or topics, make sure to jump in the Discord, linktree.com slash animedgens. And you can also find all our socials there. I Peace. Later. Peace.